Welcome to Multidimensional Mom, the podcast. I'm Stephanie Dunn. And I'm Sarah Malloy. And if you're lost in the midst of momming or just the wild chaos of everyday life, we're here to help. Anything from momming to the mystical, we've got you covered. Come along as my real-life bestie and I explore all the different things about mom life, midlife, and the great beyond as we celebrate the elements that make us unique as moms and as women. Because you're multidimensional and we are too. We're going to discover our magic and help you embrace your own. Hello. Hi. Hi. Did you survive Thanksgiving? What now? Sorry. (laughs) As I cough, it's like you start start recording and and I feel like I'm good. And suddenly all of the hell and fire of every sickness I've ever had in my life decides to evacuate all at the same time from my lungs. Well, one, it sounds like we need an exorcist. And two, I'm a fantastic editor, so you're fine. It never happens. I wanted to pretend that we're recording this after Thanksgiving because our listeners will be hearing this after Thanksgiving. So I asked you how your Thanksgiving was. You know what? It was a dream. It was magical. It was, it was perfect. Yes, it was. Oh my god! Angels actually sang when I pulled my sweet potato souffle yeah. out of the oven. It was. Oh. <laughs> do you really do a sweet potato I souffle? I do. It's spectacular. I didn't know this about you. Did you? Do you use real sweet potatoes? Yeah. This is an old family recipe. This is like yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, I had this discussion with my sister the other day because she was delegating the dishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's it's funny because you don't, I mean, you can't control how people cook the dish you give them, you know? Of course. Exactly. No, I, no, this is an old family, like, well, I say old family recipe, like it's, my grandma might've gotten it from like a friend of hers or something, but we've been doing it in the family for so long. I like that. I mean, yeah. Ever since I was little, I can remember this, this recipe, but yeah. Oh yeah. Real sweet potatoes and brown sugar and, and walnuts chopped on top of it. We don't do the marshmallow thing. I'm like, that's too much. No, it is too much. I agree. Yeah, we do, but it's, it's delightful. And it's one of those dishes that I make it. And Steve is like, just, just make a double batch and set so we can have some yeah that is side that's just that's one of those dishes for him but i let me tell you my my favorite thanksgiving hack ever oh are you ready this is getting interesting so are you ready. ready order your turkey from someone that caters <laughs> <laughs> no it's so true because you need the oven mm-hmm. space the best thanksgiving we ever had my neighbor smoked our turkey now scott was up at yes. like 5 a.m outside at the when we lived in the townhomes but it wow. was it was fun for them but it was great because i had my mm-hmm. oven and also someone else was in charge yes. the stress wasn't there it was great yes that's what i've been doing ever since i've been hosting a thanksgiving which has been i don't know it's been the last several years anyway my mom actually was like you know what you should consider and it's the from weber grill if you're in a place where there's a Weber Grill restaurant, there's nice. the closest one to us is in Lombard. But I've been getting my turkey from them for at least the last five years or so. It's great. It's a it's a whole smoked turkey, and oh, it's wow. you know I mean it's a little, it's expensive to do it, but like mm-hmm. I would so much rather do that and have the ovens I need, so I can get I can get so much more done by not having to even with the double oven take up take up room with the turkey. That's my Thanksgiving hack. Just have someone else do the turkey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Just, it's true. Don't even worry about it. 
because it's going to be delicious. And it's very hard because everyone comes with like warm dishes and then they go, oh, can you just pop this in the oven? And you're like, where? Yeah. Where do I? No, Thanksgiving is hard. I am lucky that JR asked Auntie Sarah if we could do Christmas and she, because we usually flip flop and he wants Christmas here. So I was like, Sarah. Yeah. You get Thanksgiving. When the kids are little, I think that's important. Well, in the kitchen stuff, it just, I mean, I know everyone feels that way, but it's not even fun, I feel like, because it's just constant dishes and cooking and dishes. Crazy. Right. I think last year we, I had, I had to clean my kitchen once bef- to prepare for the next round of exactly. dishes I was exactly. making. It's, it's wild, but it's, you know what? Another hack, if your guests don't care and you don't care. Use paper plates for the pumpkin pie or dessert because you already, you're still doing round one of dishes. Yeah, that's a good hack. Right? And it just makes it a little easier, especially if no one cares. Just That's true. That. Yeah. It's, I like that. I like that a lot. My friend, Steve Schroeder, which is what I started to say here, who he, we think he came through for me on, on our Girls and Ghosts podcast. <laughs> I was going to say he was, he was just, just on the here. podcast. He was just on the podcast, <laughs> but that's who's one of his goblets is what I'm drinking out of right now. And he used to say, my favorite thing to make for Thanksgiving is reservations. Thank you, Steve Schroeder. <laughs> Cheers. So, so there you go. So this Thanksgiving time. Yes. We. Mm. We're getting started, are going to be talking about tough conversations. And maybe it should be authentic responses. Like, I'm not saying you have to rise above everything. Sure. But how many times do you come home from a family dinner or you're decompressing after Thanksgiving on the phone with your friend and you're like, what I should have said, (laughs) you know? And that happens, or you're laying in bed and you're like, I cannot believe you're in this the shower the again. next day. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think of the best thing to say. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, what is your go to with prying questions? Questions that like should not really be asked or are too personal. What's my go to? Yeah. Well, <laughs> do, well, do you know what I said one time? There was a well meaning family member of, of Steve's who. We had just gotten married. Now, this was around Christmas time. Same thing. Doesn't matter. Any family gathering, you can apply this to. Okay. But I like having these conversations around this time of year because, you know, tis the season. So we had just gotten married on December 1st. So this was like the Christmas Day gathering. So what? We had been married literally 24 days. And she was already asking when we were going to have a baby because oh, yeah, I've that's got- what they do. Mm-hmm. And I said, as soon as you do. Oh, that is gold. As soon as and she was clearly this. way past her, yeah, you know, baby having days. This was one of those family members. And I said, as soon You're as like, you are you, you going to buy us one? And, you know, another good one is, again, you have to not care how it's taken because it's pretty direct. But mm-hmm. how much money is in your bank account? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just thought we were taking turns asking inappropriate questions. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought we were. I thought that's what we were doing. What about what doing. passive aggressive assertions? I don't deal as well with that personally, but. Well, there's a lot of different ways to do it. I tend to take Mm -hmm. a more direct path because when you call passive aggressive people out on their shit, they want to like ignore it. Like it didn't happen. They say it very passive aggressively because of the insecurity behind it. And they want to make a jab and walk away. And so I just don't let them walk away. I say like, what did you say? Or what did you mean by that? That's a great one. What did you mean by that? What do you mean? Yeah. Make them explain it more. Oh, I like that. And just play dumb. Yeah. What do you mean? Play dumb and make them explain. And here's another thing I read while researching for this episode. Sometimes 
what you share on social media becomes like this open door where people think the rest of your life is open for discussion too. Uh, right. They're like, well, I saw it on social media. I see where they get that. But then then at the other point, it's like, okay, also like my grade school friend who I haven't talked to since 1989 is my Facebook friend and he is not asking me these questions, you know? So, so yeah, we have to be honest about that. But I think how we authentically answer questions that annoy us or make us mad you know, what do you do naturally? What's more comfortable for you? What's effective? Are you more comfortable sidestepping? Or does that mean that that person keeps doing it and they never get the message? Are you more direct with your response? Or does that then, think about this, make the recipient go into victim mode to make you feel bad? So you call them out on it and you say whatever, you give an answer or you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm not comfortable discussing that or whatever. And then they're, oh, I'm so sorry. They're crying in a corner and then you are made to feel bad. And it's like, no, that's on you. Like Mm -mm. you don't get to go cry or if they do, you need to not care. Well, and that's it, isn't it? You can't control how somebody else responds. You you can control your own response. Yes. To their questions. And frankly, if they were the ones being nosy and out of line to begin with, what do you have to feel bad about? Which, by the way, I have an article about nosiness and I have an article about passive aggressive. Mm. So there we go. Or on the same wavelength. Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. Okay. So dealing with passive aggressives without losing your mind. (sighs) This is from Psychology Today, which I do love. Yeah. It takes two people to support a passive aggressive relationship. Oh, so important. Yeah. Hard to remember. Yeah. Most of us have at least one passive aggressive person in our life. Maybe it's a mother who nitpicks or criticizes everything we do, or a coworker who uses sarcasm to cut us down, or a micromanaging boss who drops hints but never tells you directly you're doing a good job. Just being around a passive aggressive person can harm one's mental health. So how do you deal with them? There are a few things you need to know about passive aggression. First, it's a form of anger. Your passive-aggressive mom, coworker, or boss are angry people. They're just as angry as a person who screams or throws things, but they have a different way of showing it. Passive-aggressive people are often terrified of confrontation, so they couch their anger with smiles. Many not be, may not be self-aware enough to realize they're angry, but their anger, bitterness, or frustration lies just under the surface. It takes two to support a passive-aggressive relationship. To stop the cycle, try these five steps. Okay, here are your keys. Number one, hold them accountable. When you fail to hold a passive-aggressive person accountable for their actions, you unintentionally perpetuate their behavior. If you're a people pleaser, this is especially devastating. You want to make everyone happy and you don't like confrontation or conflict. So you absorb all kinds of subtle emotional abuse. Stop blaming yourself or making excuses for others. You are not responsible for the damaging way a passive aggressive person shows their anger. Number two, stop apologizing. Unless you did something wrong, don't apologize. Especially don't apologize if they refuse to be direct and tell you what they feel you've done wrong. So if they're just making assertions, just be upfront about it and ask like what the problem is. And if they just want to guilt trip you, go around it, not be direct, then walk away. Number three is put your needs first. 
Forcing other people to put their needs first is a skill that many passive aggressive people have. They prefer eating late, so all dinner parties must begin after 8 p.m. They only like gin and tonics, so you must always have tonic in the fridge even when no one else drinks it. Don't give in to their demands. If they like to eat late, but you've got kids with an early bedtime, they don't have to come. That's a big one. That could sound harsh, but the passive-aggressive behavior is often more about asserting control than about a genuine preference. You need to stand your ground or risk getting walked over. We've talked about that before. Yeah. About the fact that people, it's so hard when you've got the youngest kids in the family and everyone else seems to forget. They always forget. They forget how difficult that is. If you want to be a part of this celebration, that's fine. But this is our schedule. So and this is bedtime. And unless you're coming to deal with them tomorrow, you don't get to say. Yep. Number four, don't play the game. While terrified of their own anger, passive aggressive people are often okay triggering someone else's. Mm. The wrong way to handle this is to blow up at them or respond with passive aggression of your own. Be careful. If you do, they win. Still, it can be hard to manage your emotions when dealing with someone who upsets you. As much as you can, limit the amount of time you spend around the person. When you're together, if you feel yourself getting angry, take deep breaths to calm down or temporarily remove yourself from the situation. This actually kind of combined two of the points in this other article that I pulled. So I pulled an article too, and we don't have to get into mine because they're, they're making very similar points. Mine comes from Forbes.com Love that. and it's, it's, tr- it's just entitled how to handle difficult family members this holiday season. Ooh. One of the things, one of the big ones they say is don't take the bait. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Often you've got a sibling or a cousin or somebody who knows how to get under your skin. Your mother-in-law will make a passive aggressive comment or the outwardly political family member who wears their political opinion on their sleeve or on their head, (laughs) those people that you disagree with will say something in an attempt to rile you up. They do that. That's what they, they enjoy doing this, you guys. And when that moment comes, just take a deep breath and don't take the bait. It's not going to be easy, but if you don't take that bait and don't even respond to it or acknowledge it, then they can't start the drama. Or if you don't want to just like lie down, you can say, I don't want to talk about that. Or I don't, I don't discuss that. You know, because then at least you're responding directly, but you're also not engaging. Sure. And I think the most important thing is do confront it. Eventually, you will have to confront this behavior, especially if they keep doing it. And you Mm. need to get ready for that conversation. So Mm -hmm. instead of looking at it like you're scoring points, my article says that like happiness is the goal. So don't start by accusing them of being passive aggressive. Like they're not going to respond well. Be specific about what it is they say that upsets you. If you sit, put it out there, so many times that's what these people are afraid of. The reason they say it passive aggressively is because they're not capable of handling it directly. And so when sure. you call it out and say like, what do you mean? But like how you said, what do you mean by that? Or we don't discuss that or whatever. I think you're like nipping it in the butt a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing to keep in mind as you walk into these gatherings and this applies again this applies to any gathering this applies to any situation do you find yourself or have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're dreading yes. a particular gathering I'm glad you're bringing this up yeah because you know that there's going to be a specific family member there that acts a certain way or you know that their behavior 
at least historically speaking, has been fill in the blank, you know, whatever it might be. Right. And you're prepping for battle. You're already prepping for it. Exactly. You've already prepared yourself. One thing that you need to do as the person who is probably not going to start this shit, go in with a blank slate. Mm -hmm. The same article that I pulled. So this executive performance coach, Nita Bouchon, I believe, she says that a lot of times we go into these things with those stressful feelings and the negative emotions, emotions already. I mean, because what else do we have to go on, right? We have this past history already. So we're already walking into the situation. Two strikes in. Tight yeah. and stressed. Yeah, we're already stressed up, out. And it's it's not always necessary. What if it's met with a completely blank slate? What if you acted as if you were meeting some of these people there for the very first time, even though you've known them your whole life? Sure. So if you can release any of those previous assumptions and negativity around their intentions or around your history with this, it'll help you address this with a lot less emotion. You know, we do this with the woo when we set intentions, remember? That's right. Like set your intentions. Right. So set your intentions. Like I am not going to engage in conversations that upset me. I'm going to keep my peace. I'm going mm-hmm. to enjoy the people that I see. Maybe get yourself in that sort of mind frame before rather than psyching yourself out. Exactly. Don't psych yourself out. Don't build this up to be something worse than it could ever be in your own mind because you're just, you're making an enemy where there might not necessarily be one to begin with. Sure. Even though that's that's how it's felt in years past. It doesn't, you don't have to walk into it that way. Keep in mind too, it's not about you. One of the big reasons that family conflicts get heated so quickly is because it is easy to take certain remarks or behaviors personally. If you're walking in with a blank slate, you're already at disadvantage, but don't let your emotions steer those situations. Take a step back, understand that the chances are whatever they are saying about you, or if they're making generally rude comments, or if they have rude behavior, you got to understand that their anger, frustration, and bitterness isn't about you. It's about them. They've built this up in their head about this is the way things are supposed to be. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them and their preconceived notions. And it has to do with them and their beliefs or their opinions or whatever. But that that's not you and it doesn't have anything to do with you. So their their bitterness doesn't have to be yours. I also think you can flip that if you find yourself repeatedly in the situation where they're trying to make it your fault. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't know you were doing this for this. Well, I wasn't told. Sometimes you could say, well, it just wasn't about you. Right. Sometimes these people have to be reminded. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it really wasn't about you. Yep. And keep in mind, too, and this is one of the hardest things in the world to do, especially when your emotions are already up here, trying to have empathy. I know it's hard. But keep in mind that your relative's judgment of you or their rude remarks or behavior could be related to an insecurity of theirs. Oftentimes, that's really what it comes down to. And instead of taking their behavior personally, try thinking about their experiences, how they were raised, what life experiences they've endured, and why you think they behave the way they do. Chances are there's some kind of foundation and some kind of personal pain which is why they are passive aggressive. There's there's a lot more to it. And again, just as their behavior has nothing to do with you personally, your decisions and your life doesn't have anything to do with them. 
For the holidays, give the gift of safety to your friends and family. She's Birdie is a personal safety alarm made by women for women. Feeling uncomfortable? Being followed in a parking lot? Trust your gut. Activate Birdie's loud alarm and flashing light to interrupt the situation and bring eyes on you. Don't be afraid to make noise. Use and reuse. Birdie's here to help. Together, let's create a world where women are safe. Order your alarms at she'sbirdie.com and use our code MULTI15 for 15% off your purchase. This helps support the podcast. She's Birdie. Chirp loudly. On a similar note, Mm -hmm. let's go on a guilt trip. Yay! (laughs) Neat. This is from Bustle.com, Marissa Higgins. How to respond when someone tries to guilt you. I do hear this from a lot of friends that there's at least someone in the family that this is their go-to move, the guilt trip. We joke about Catholic guilt in my family because we're all recovering Catholics and we can say that. Yeah, the guilt trip. Depending on what someone is asking you, agreeing to it because you feel guilty can lead you into stressful situations. When someone starts trying to lead you on a guilt trip, it's easy to feel like you're basically trapped in the situation. But as Jamie Turndorf, PhD, points out in Psychology Today, nobody can take you on a guilt trip if you aren't willing to pack your bags and take the ride. While some situations are much harder to get out of than others, say if someone has authority or is in a position of power over you, if they've been playing your heartstrings on a sensitive subject, it is always true that you do have a voice. It might not be easy. Our culture often teaches us that it's rude to say no, so going against that ingrained lesson can feel uncomfortable. But the bottom line is that it isn't always rude to say no. And indeed, that it's the person who's trying to guilt trip you who's being rude. Yeah. So here's how you can deal. First, remember not to take it personally. There you go. The aim of a guilt trip is to make it personal to you so you will succumb to that position. Mm -hmm. So even if you could help someone, it doesn't mean that you absolutely have to. And it certainly doesn't mean you're the only person that they're asking. Odds are you are far from the only person they can ask for help, especially if they're approaching you using guilt instead of an upfront direct request for assistance. (laughs) I'm I'm squirming so much. Express how their behavior makes you feel. Similarly to how our culture teaches us that to say no is to be rude, we are also often brought up to believe that awkwardness is to be avoided at all costs. Right. Even if smoothing over a situation for somebody makes you yourself uncomfortable, women in particular are socialized to put aside their own discomfort in favor of whatever is more convenient for someone else. Expect it. I saw you take a gulp of your wine. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, it's... It's true though. God, well, whatever makes the group happy is whatever is fine with me. Wait, mother, martyr. Don't turn into one. Martyr. Don't turn into one. I like this. Number three, put the ball back in their court. Remind the person who is guilting you that their needs are important, just as important as it is for them to take responsibility for it themselves. Like you can say, oh my gosh, you know, you have so much going on. Let's say they keep asking your husband to fix everything in their house or whatever. You know, you have a lot wrong and you shouldn't have to wait for when he's available because he's not around that often, even for us. So 
maybe I can help you look into a handyman. Maybe you need to ask your neighbors who they use. You know, you got to put it back on them a little bit, especially if this is happening all the time. Yeah. Help them help them get their own power back. Practice standing up for yourself. Now, if you're a people pleaser, this is easier said than done. But that's why practicing in front of a mirror or with a trusted friend can be so effective. I know that sounds cheesy as shit. Can but you it's- imagine if I called you up and I was like, let's roll Can play. we do a role play real quick about how do I? I'd be like, uh- okay. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah. I would do it. it because it is, it's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes just saying it out loud somehow that's that's enough practice just to get the words in your mouth because we're we are so used to not standing up for ourselves being people pleasing women that we are getting comfortable with different ways to say no can make it feel much more natural when the situation actually calls for it and then the last step i think this is interesting we forget about it also in psychology today turned off explains guilt is a natural emotion it's okay to be comfortable with it and embrace it Saying no to someone and actually feeling guilty is a part of life and doesn't make you a bad person. Right. Oh, I have another one. We have another topic. How to respond to rude or inappropriate remarks. I also have an article about how to respond. Seems like it's a common thread. (laughs) I'll give you the main aspects of mine and then let's see what yours say. Okay. Mine does make a couple of introductory points that rudeness is contagious. Perspective is key. So take a moment to look at the larger picture before you react. This does not justify the behavior or the action, but it can help us create some distance to not get too hot-headed. So before you respond, ask yourself, what might be going on that would cause the person to say what they did? Having this awareness and empathy might help you soften first before responding to them. Exactly. You don't have to answer the commenter. Some people just aren't worth the emotional effort or work that it takes to respond, especially if they have not invested in your relationship. This is all the preserve your energy for the people who matter, right? Oh, yes. In order for someone to have the right to an opinion about you, they have to have built up a rapport with you or built up credit in your relationship before they get to make withdrawals from you. You've also heard... What you think of me is none of my business. There you go. Yes. Yes. So here's how to respond. One, pause to regroup. Feel your feelings. Consider your response. You do not have to make an immediate reaction. Sometimes there's power in the pause. Can make somebody feel more uncomfortable for saying it in the first place. Yeah. Number two, detach. If the question or comment is intentionally antagonistic or disrespectful, Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Just don't. Advocate for yourself. A lot of people leave this one out, and that's where you get frustrated with yourself later. Advocating for yourself can be a powerful way for you to feel validated and give the relationship a chance to heal from the exchange. Use I statements. I feel this because of this. State your boundary. Mm -hmm. People understand them only when they're clear. You don't have to overly explain why you're drawing a boundary. You just need to clearly state it. Please do not ask that question again or in the future. I'm not going to engage in conversations like this, something like that. Other things they say, leverage nonverbal cues, (laughs) whatever that may be. Well, 
they give a few really good examples, which include shaking your head, stepping or turning away, leaving the room, or even showing your hurt on your face. One of my favorites is just one of these. (laughs) Sarah just did the glare and drink method, which I also approve of. I would combine with walking away. Anyway, continue. Sorry. I enjoy the nonverbal cues. That's one of my favorites. And lastly, flip the script. Yes. If a direct approach makes you uncomfortable, try a different approach. Ask a question. A what question shifts the dynamic and forces the offending party to think or rethink. Just like the, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Mm. Go into yours. What What do you what do you have there? Very, very similar. So I really enjoyed this article. I've, where did I even find it? You know, you just start throwing in keywords online and see what comes up. So this particular article is entitled six ways to shut down your nosy family members at Thanksgiving. (laughs) And this is from gomag.com, which is advice for lesbian, bi, and queer women. And I love me some lesbian, bi, and queer women. (laughs) Love them. And there's some really good responses here. If you've got uncomfortable questions coming at you, whatever they may be, your first option is just tell the truth. Sometimes we hold back on the honest answers to these questions because we fear that they might make our family members uncomfortable. But if they didn't really want to know what's up, then why'd they ask? Sometimes a brutally honest answer helps a family member realize just how invasive their question actually was. For example, and this is where I was all in with this article. I'm a lesbian, so no, I don't have a boyfriend. (laughs) I mean, it's very clear. It's quite clear. This is, no, I'm not going to have a boyfriend. The truth does not have to include details about your private life. If, If this is not a member of your family or if this is not a member of this gathering that you feel like you know, has has earned that privilege into your life. It can also come in the form of your truthful reaction to the question, whether that's annoyance or disbelief or sadness or hurt or whatever, fill in the blank with the feeling. But if the topic is one that you just don't want to address, just say that. I don't want to talk about that today. Or <laughs> why do you always ask me that? Why do you always ask me that? Yeah, authentically, like that's your authentic response. You have asked me this five times. Right. It's kind of none of your business. You can always tell a white lie. You're totally allowed to say something vague if it just means getting somebody off your back. The important thing to note with this is to keep it brief because you don't need to spin a web of lies. And also you don't owe anyone anything, especially some random second cousin who you know is only looking for juicy gossip for the family group chat. Dating is going great. Thanks for asking. How about you? (laughs) I've had a few promising job interviews. What's new with you? And if you will notice... These scripts always involve quickly pivoting to another question. And speaking of desperately changing the topic as quickly as possible, change the subject. Nothing like a rapid subject change to really send the message, I would rather die than discuss this with you right now. Also, this works well on narcissists. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I usually do uh, recommend the gray rock technique, which is just they are looking for response and emotion and passion from you in regard to their own stuff all the time, all the time. So you can just not react the gray rock technique. Like, Oh, you are a big gray rock. Yes. And then don't give them a damn thing. Change the subject to someone else. Yes. Yes. You could even do something. This is, this is my favorite. 
you're already here in front of all of this. So talk about the food, but make it big. Anywho, this turkey, it's so good. <laughs> I might literally stuff some into my purse or anywho, how was your flight here? Or how was your recent vacation to Mexico? People love talking about themselves too. Keep in mind. Yeah. So if you know, they've recently been on a trip, ask them about the trip and away they go, you know, doesn't even have to be about the subject at hand. Deflect, deflect. Culture. Yeah, deflect, exactly. Anywho, have you seen Netflix's new blah, 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 fill in the blank with whatever show is is hot right now or whatever? Or compliments. Anywho, I really love that necklace. Where'd you get it? Can you imagine if someone's like, so oh, what did happen with, with you and Mark? What happened? I love your necklace. Is that amethyst? That. Anytime, we mentioned this before, and it cracks me up. It's the, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Couple other examples. Why do you ask? Make make them explain their motivations. What do you mean by that? Or did you really just ask me that again? (laughs) (laughs) Again? And then if you are the kind of person, I sometimes I can be this person. It really depends on the company and it depends on my, on the number of fucks I have left to give right. as well. Right. But if you're the type of person that can make a joke, do it. If you are blessed enough to be able to come up with zingers on the fly, use that skill to your advantage. Jokes give you the satisfaction of delivering a snappy comeback. Plus they lighten the mood and subtly show that you're not going to take that question seriously. So if you've got an in-denial family member about, you know, if you're a lesbian whose, you know, uncle just can't understand that, you know, have you found a man yet? You can say, yeah, he's in my trunk. Oh, they'll be confused for just long enough that you can quickly make your escape. Or the example that I gave earlier, when are you going to have a baby? As soon as you do. Yeah. My 65 year old aunt. (laughs) If all else fails. If you don't have time to think of a clever response or you can't just turn and walk away, perhaps you're backed into a corner, literally, you can always excuse yourself to go to the bathroom or you can pretend your phone is ringing or you can go get another glass of wine. Or you you have to check on the kids. Can I tell you? Can I tell you how many times I have checked on children that I could not give, give less of a shit about just because I needed to leave the room? What are the kids up to? I hear a lot of racket down in the basement all the time. And, it, and then I end up having a great time with the kids, frankly. But I mean, there's so many different ways that you can just yeah. exit if you feel like you need to. Eavesdrop on a nearby conversation and shift your attention to that instead, as if you simply right. must join this discussion. If you want to get fully passive aggressive, you can even just pretend that you can't hear that person. Ooh, and can I say too, this is a strategy. You can have a keyword. Some people do this with their husbands. I have, I won't Mm. reveal my sources, but I have someone in the family who, when we are having trouble, we have a keyword that we'll say to each other to say, I need backup. It's basically that I need backup. Like, come distract this person. Yeah. Use the safe word. Okay. So this leads in to that article I said was at the end of what I sent okay. you. And I said, don't you read it. not to read this, which is yeah. really kind of hard for me because I do like, I, I want to read ahead of time. Okay. Let us just perchance say that you are in a barren field of fucks. There are no fucks to be found. None anywhere. If I could show you Sarah's gestures. <laughs> Take a picture. There's none. I'm looking. 
far and wide. Okay. If you are easily offended or you're not in the mood for rude First questions all, and answers if right now. offended, why are you listening to us? So you can just sign off okay. here. Now, this is just for comedy's sake. It's just for a laugh. I don't expect you to answer it like this. Okay. However, this article is called A Smart-Ass Guide mm-hmm. to Navigating Awkward Questions Over Thanksgiving Dinner by Sophia Benoit. Thanksgiving is about togetherness, but togetherness can be stressful. And also, this is post-Thanksgiving that we're talking about it. So just roll it into right. Christmas. Roll it into Christmas, guys. We got a long holiday ahead of us. Go on. Here are some tips for how to deal with the most offensive, upsetting, and bizarre remarks from your family members. I'll take the first one. Remark from your father. Why don't you come home more often? Family is the most important thing. Your response. Oh, is it dad? Is family the most important thing? Is that why you have two of them? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. A remark. Write them down. Write them down. These are great. Remark from your grandmother. You've eaten your fair share of mashed potatoes, wouldn't you say, dear? You've eaten your fair share of mashed potatoes. I don't want to fight you today, but I will, Virginia. I've just carbo-loaded, and I'm about three times your size. Your bones are brittle. You've got osteoporosis. This is not a battle you want to have. Now, can it, before I eat the potatoes right off your plate? Don't think I won't. Oh, Virginia. Always remarking about mashed potatoes. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. That's great. (laughs) Remark from cousin Kevin, who is getting his PhD in pharmaceutical science. And what are you up to these days? Your response. What am I doing with my liberal arts degree? I'll tell you. Edibles. I've gotten really into weed. (laughs) It's decriminalized in California. What is it you do again? Study? Sounds lame. Am I poor? Yes. Am I constantly crying? Also, yes. But at least I'm also not pushing pharmaceutical sales on unsuspecting and naive customers. (laughs) Oh, my God. For the record, it's been decriminalized here in Illinois, and I just fall asleep after an edible. What are you doing these days? Edibles. Edibles. That's what I do. God. I feel like we need to make this next one a script. I'm going to be the remark and you be the response. Ready? Oh, okay. 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 Let's play. Okay. Remark from your high school best friend who is now engaged. (laughs) This is the most exciting time of my life. Do you ever feel like you're missing out? Well, I mean, last weekend I got blackout drunk and bought a stripper pole for my house. One of those that doesn't attach at the ceiling, but that you fill with water. You can get it on Amazon Prime, but your life sounds really exciting. Let me see the pictures of you and the leaves again with your fancy rock and your yellow lab. (laughs) That's great. Oh, this one is yours. Say it. Do you mind watching the kids for a little bit? Do you mind that they're going to know a whole lot more about how God is a delusion? Does that bother you? (laughs) Remark from your stepmom. So what do your tattoos mean exactly? Your response. But I'm a child of divorce. <laughs> Sorry. When your family dances around the question of what gender See, you date. This is what I'm saying. The lesbian article. This might be a thing. Okay. Yeah. I saw all those pictures of you and Emily online. How's that going? You visited her a lot this past school year. Whatever happened with Harry? Is it hard for you to date? In a big city, is it easier? Because there's so many oh. more people. The best thing you can do here is to perpetuate the confusion. Tell multiple stories. Pick a gender neutral name and manufacture as many tales as possible. The most subtle mindfuck for your family is to give different groups different information until everyone gets the story so tangled that they feel the need to confront you. Why haven't I thought of that before? 
Can you imagine just these wild tales with like unisex names? Yes. Yes. That's perfect. I love it so much. I I will never forget one year. I don't know if it was Christmas or if it was Thanksgiving or what. My grandmother, my dad's mom, rest in peace, Grandma Margie. But she she was losing, you know, her memory. We had some dementia going on. She had had a few strokes and she would repeat herself quite often. My mom, she probably still has our senior photos up on the walls, but my brother's senior photo was up and it was like 10 times as big as mine. I don't know how that happened. It just, you know, I like to say, well, oh. clear who your favorite, favorite child was, but it's like, it's this great picture of him laying down. And my grandma kept leaning over to my brother, telling him how much she loved no. that photo. And she did it like three times and it was really cute, but my brother gave a different response every time oh no <laughs> she did it so one time it was like I really love that photo of you and he was like you know what yeah that was one of my favorite I like the way my my eyes look there or whatever she did it again I really love that photo of you oh, I never liked that one. <laughs> oh, she didn't know no, nothing. I, no idea no, no exactly and so every time she did it he had another response one of the one of the biggest things I want to <laughs> I'm still laughing over this. That was good. I understand it's like a little crude, but I just thought it was really funny. And somebody listening to this in their car after Thanksgiving needs to hear that. There's somebody that needs to hear it. Someone needs to hear it. I absolutely agree. And just, you know what? Get ready for Christmas or get ready for whatever. Again, you got a month and a half of holidays left, people. There's there's still more to go. One of the biggest things I want to emphasize for this is that and, and I know it, it sounds contradictory. I don't mean it to be, but I know I had said earlier, walk in with a blank slate. In mm-hmm. the corporate world, we did this whole thing about the mood elevator. So if anybody is in a corporate setting or if you've ever done this, you've got this mood elevator, right? And neutral ground on the elevator is coming forward with curiosity. Just curiosity uh-huh. is the most neutral place that you can be. It There's no emotion about it. It's strictly just, I want to know more. And, you know, the response could bring you up or down on the elevator, but coming at things from a place of curiosity or from a blank slate is really the best thing that you can do for yourself. Now, a thing I would add to that is it's okay for you not to just to do that, but to set boundaries ahead of time. Set your limits. Set your limits ahead of time. Even if that means, you know, if you know for a fact that any more than three days with your parents is going to absolutely send you into some spiral. Don't stay for more than three days or more than three hours or more than three hours. You're allowed (laughs) to do that. There's a fantastic line in the movie field of dreams. Hang with me here. He's going on. It's the opening monologue. Ray Kinsella is talking about his upbringing and his dad and his mom died when he was little and he was with his dad and you know, his, his wife's family when he met his wife's family the first time. You know, they spent a lot of time. They spent a whole lot of time together, almost a full afternoon. (laughs) It's okay if all you can give is almost a full afternoon. Yeah. You don't owe anybody anything else. I'm down to my second glass of wine here, people. Or I remember saying, I think I talked about this on Modern Domestic Moms at one point. Call your person. Mm. Like, yeah. Call your person. Figure it out now. Yes. Yes. Text your person. If you need to text me. Oh, we got to figure it out You're always ready. No, I will say that you and Ian have received many a group text from situations that are No, we need to make sure that we do that, but we need to set up a group text ahead of time. Hi, guys. This is the holiday hotline, the holiday help hotline, right? We just need to do that. Just 
I strongly encourage this from anybody out there, especially if you know you are going to be, if this is your year to be with your in-laws or with your sister or with your uncle's crazy family, whatever you guys are dealing with this year, set something up ahead of time so that you can escape, even if it's to escape for 10 minutes to say, oh man, okay, hold on. I really, I'm sorry. I need to go take take this call. call. I really, I gotta, I'm sorry. And go take a fucking walk around the block. Yeah. Just to preserve your sanity and vent to each other, even if it's just to text wildly for a little bit, okay? There's nothing that says you have to be so wrapped up in what is happening in that house that you are not allowed to check in with the people that you know are going through it with you. So keep that in mind. Yeah. All my family thinks you're really dramatic. Mm. Oh, Sarah. Listen, let's be. <laughs> Sarah needs to talk. No, but I am. So it fits. You know, it's a white lie but- in the sense that like- <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not on fire, but yes, they wouldn't put it past me. There's a lot of family time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's a lot of things going on. Just try to find the joy in what you enjoy, right? Like try to find those things to do that you really love doing, the people that you want to invite and be close to, and try to find your happy even when it gets chaotic. Yeah. Because there are people that say like, oh my God, I hate the holidays. And it's probably because of reasons like this, like everything that we've talked about before. You don't have to hate the holidays, guys. No. And I don't want my kids to think I hate the holidays. No. Right. You don't want to like pass that stress on. Like mom doesn't like this time of year. Like I want them to think I'm a fucking elf or something. Exactly. Make the magic for them. And and maybe by making a little bit for yourself, it'll be easier to make it for them. Yes. Find things you enjoy in the midst of it too. So you can keep yourself so balanced. Important, guys. Okay. What is something that you do then? Let's throw it out there. During this chaotic time of year, like I'm looking at my schedule right now. Well, you and I talked about it earlier. So Steve mm-hmm. owns a chain of liquor stores in the Western suburbs of Chicago and what a lush what a lush <laughs> just like i just this like why- insult steve when i can because i know he, he listens listen. no what's one of the benefits of having someone who owns liquor stores is that i can be like can you bring home like six bottles of wine and he can deliver you guys well, doesn't deliver here so how about that guilt trip let's go on that one shall we Ooh, that's not passive aggression that's just, that's just plain out aggression <laughs> listen it's at least the taurus in me so starting this week really starting today today at the day that we're recording this which is the sunday before thanksgiving starting today through new year's eve i have no idea what his schedule is going to look like it was really hard and in his position yeah he's he's a co-owner of these places but he's also acting as a general manager of this stuff he's also the it support i mean he's literally he's so much for this business so I have to find ways to keep some sanity for myself and be able to try to maintain the house and everything else. And so some of the things that I do, so like things that we do to try to keep our own happy and our own sanity, we could probably make a whole other episode of this. But one thing that I really like to try to do starting about this week, just to take even a couple of hours to go out somewhere, not just do it online, but actually physically leave the house and go do a little Christmas shopping. I love going out and doing Christmas shopping. Yeah. Yes, it's convenient to do the online thing. And I do a whole lot of that to be sure. But there are certain places that I feel like 
be I like going there. I feel like the holidays yeah. have started until I have gone to. Yeah. If that helps you get into your own Christmas spirit. Well, maybe that's, that's the like, next one we should do, Sarah. Maybe we should do keeping the holiday happy. Keeping Is that the too toxic happy. positive? No. No, no, because we need to, because it's not, it's not an easy thing to find. And I feel like we do get so caught up in, oh my God, and this is happening and everyone's schedules are crazy. And now the, the kids are home for three weeks or whatever it is. Right. And, and then it's over this- and you're like, what was fun? What was fun about that? What was fun about that? And yeah. find ways to make it fun and not fun for your kids, fun for you. What do you need? We'll talk okay. about it later. I, I think yeah. it's good. And number one on my list will be Stephen Malloy bringing me goddamn wine. <laughs> He's always happy to do that. Steve. He's just, Steve. by the way. Steve. Listen. Okay. Well, glad we covered that passive aggression. <laughs> can I just say, if you've made it this far with us, congratulations. And also, yes. can you please, for Christmas, Hanukkah, Thanksgiving, whatever, can you write us a review on Apple Pie? We haven't had a good review written in months. It doesn't take really any effort. Like you can just go into wherever you listen and write a quick review. It can be one line and it helps other people to find our podcast. Also, if you would like to share our podcast with friends and family, still, I listen to this one podcast. It's called The Sister Project. They Mm. are two girls in LaGrange who are fabulous. And I listen to it because my sister-in-law's sister-in-law told me about it last Thanksgiving. And she just mentioned it to me because she knows I have a podcast and now I listen to it. So if you would love to share us with your friends, I said before, we will take them. That would be lovely. We would like to grow and expand. We don't make any money on this. We're doing it for fun and because we know that Sarah should be famous. So if you could just (laughs) encourage this behavior, well, we'd love it. Yes. And listen to next time, I guess we're going to talk about keeping the holiday happy. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. See you next time.